Shemai Akroiso. Hello and welcome to the New York Welsh podcast, the podcast that celebrates Welsh success stories in New York while hopefully inspiring the creation of some new ones. I am Richard. And I am Gideon. Now, before we get started on today's episode, uh, we just want to remind everybody about the upcoming concert at Carnegie Hall called The Great War, commemorating 100 years which features the U.S. premiere of Welsh composer Paul Milo's Requiem, The Souls of the Righteous. And we will actually be interviewing Paul Milo uh, ahead of the concert um, on uh, his rehearsal day. Um, So keep a listen out for that. So, today's guest, Jemima Williams, a New York-based illustrator from Aberystwyth. Jemima worked for eight years in the UK on a very well-known children's television show. I'm sure many of you may be aware, Peppa Pig, uh, as a designer and illustrator. She's recently finished her first children's book, Hibernate With Me, which is a collaboration with a singer, songwriter and husband. Uh, Yeah, it's due to be published in early 2019. Uh, She's actually currently working on her second book, uh, which will be released later next year. We discussed what it's like working with child actors, the role of children's books in society, and how to get yourself inside Doctor Who's TARDIS. Please enjoy our interview with Jemima Williams. So yeah, maybe we can start by talking about how you actually came to New York, um, and yeah, what brought you here in the first place? (laughs) I came for love. (laughs) (laughs) Always Um, the best way. Yeah. Um, Yeah, I came, I met my now husband um, in London, and uh, he's a New Yorker, so, um, so yeah, it was kind of one of those like all or nothing sort of things where you just like, I, I think I was I was like stuck in a bit of a rut and I was ready for a change, but it's not like me at all just to kind of jack everything in and like move to the other side of the world, but you know, I did it. Um, so I came to New York, I came to America about three years ago, came to New York about a year and a half ago. Um, okay. Where were you living? Where were you living? Prior? So my husband was on tour with a show called The Lion that he was um, that he'd written and was performing in, and he'd as we when we met, he was just about to embark on this like nationwide tour. Um, so I was like, "Cool, I'll come with you." Um, naively thinking, you know, like this is going to be amazing. When really you're sort of suddenly in Milwaukee and you know the dead of winter for six weeks and you don't know anyone and like no one knows you or cares about you and um apologies to anyone who's from Milwaukee but it was really (laughs) depressing there and uh yeah and then we finally got back to New York and like settled was New York on the on the tour no he'd he'd done two runs of the show in New York before I met him um but you met in London right yes yeah yeah we met at the British Animation Awards in on the South Bank in London um in 2014 and uh yeah he had a couple of animated music videos um that were up for an award and I was working for Peppa Pig and we were up for best preschool animated show and uh yeah we met at the after party and I was deeply deeply suspicious of him (laughs) um but you know why was that? Why were you so suspicious? He was just very American. <laughs> um, he was he was very confident, very American. Had either of you won? What's that? Had either of you won? Oh yeah, award? yeah, we both won. Oh, we both won. We both won. Although okay. it was like my studio, it wasn't me, so I right. really felt, I was like very much on duty. I was kind of. Did like, you get to go up on the stage at least? No, I didn't. I didn't even get to do that. And I was um, I was sort of on duty, like shepherding the 
making sure my directors and the, everyone was in the right place. So I was kind of not having any of it. Um, Whereas he was the uh, soul. Yeah, he was like, hi, like, yeah. you know, all kind of charm, trying to, yeah, have a good time at a party. Um, yeah, and uh, and then he went back to New York and then um, about six months later, he came back to London to do a short run of, of his show and we kind of reconnected then. And then, yeah, months later, we were like, cool. So am I coming to the UK or US or are you coming to the UK? And because he was about to start this tour, it was like, you know, I had to I had to kind of go for it. So. And did you, did you have to leave Peppa Pig for that? Did you? Have yeah, to yeah. So how did she take it? <laughs> she's actually devastated. No, so the, the little girl, um, actually, she's not little anymore. She came over here last December for her like 16th birthday and we went to see Hamilton together which was really kind of freaky um she started she's called Harley Bird she started the same time that I started at Pepper there'd been two previous voices for Pepper um and uh we started the same time so we kind of bonded and I would like sit in the booth with her in the recording sessions and and you know when she got like all antsy and was getting distracted, we'd go for like a run around the block. And I, I was sort of like a sh- mini kind of chaperone for her. Um, so yeah, we were like, we were really close. So yeah, she was actually devastated when I left. <laughs> but, yeah. Perhaps we can talk a bit about your time at Peppa Pig then. Yeah, sure. So um, I joined it's an animation studio called Astley Baker Davis. Um, it's Nev Astley... Uh, Phil Davis and Mark Baker the three guys who set it up and it makes um, Peppa Pig a show called Peppa Pig and a show called Ben and Holly's Little Kingdom and um, I started there gosh it must have been like 2008 2009 something like that which was pretty much straight out of university as a runner doing like nothing for doing everything for nothing basically like paid peanuts just working my ass off um but like it didn't actually last I didn't last that long as a runner because I got made production assistant really quickly because I think I just really worked hard I like stayed late and I made a point of learning things and kind of um you know asking questions and helping out as much as possible um and how many people are work just to set some context how many people work on a show like Peppa Pig it's actually quite a small studio it's um, it's about I think it's about 40 people within like actually in the studio there's things like you know when you're doing the the recording or the you know the all of the sound design and stuff is done outside but within the studio yeah about 40 people and and, and is it every day Monday to Friday nine to five yeah yeah it's it's nine to five but it's you usually you know you're commissioned to make to do a series of say like 52 episodes Mm -hmm. um and that's like that's the entire production will run for maybe like a year or a year and a half, but not everyone is is going to be working for that whole time because you bring in, you know, you'll bring in the editors and the like storyboard artists first, and then you bring in the designers before you bring in the animators, and then the animators will leave before the editors have finished their job. So, and you know, meanwhile, like production stays the whole time because they're organizing everything and doing all the paperwork and stuff so. and, it, and is it just that you do all of the maybe voice recording first and then you do the illustration then you or is it more do you do an episode one it's, week and then another yeah the next? it's kind of a rolling thing it's like this sort of factory and this like sausage machine where like each department has to kind of 
has like a week or a week or two to do their thing and if they're behind then the next you know they can't hand it over to the next bit um so it's not all it's not all done at once you try and get a lot of the a lot of the sound the the voice recording done as early as possible but you know especially with like kids because you ha- you have to do it on half term or school holidays or whatever uh, it's difficult to get everybody in so it's just this like insane jigsaw puzzle of like you know rubik's cube of trying to fit everything in and nothing ever goes to schedule and it's always like insane must be crazy work what it's like working with child, child actors yeah it is crazy especially the younger ones mm. you know because what, um, what ages would they be yeah, like how young spread? are talking well i mean the youngest were probably around five five years old we wouldn't go much younger than that wow. um and then i mean harley has been doing who does pepper the voice of pepper is now like 16 so and she's know. still doing it I think she is, yeah, Just yeah. Little... And has Pepper grown up as well? Is Pepper growing no, up as well? No, no. Pepper's, Pepper's, Pepper's like, like around like four years old still. So, wow. I mean, I think there's some pitch shifting that goes on, but she also is, she's a good actress, you know, she can, she can act whereas it was interesting some of the kids were clearly just being kids and some of the kids were acting sometimes you didn't want them to act because you know you wanted to get their take on a line so even you know you'd you'd say the line and then they would repeat it back to you but they would kind of say it in a slightly different way or mess up a word or something or just say it in something a way that was much more natural obviously to Mm. them and it just worked so much better because it sounds like it's a kid and I think that is one of the reasons that Peppa Pig became so popular because before Peppa Pig most of the the animated shows were like voiced by adults even the kids parts were voiced by adults right and I didn't realize they kind of pioneered that yeah well they were one of the one of the studios that really kind of pushed for it um and you just get that like something much more natural and much more kind of yeah childlike about it it's so much cuter, so much cuter. That's so, very cool. Yeah. Plus, you can pay them with chocolate paints. <laughs> <laughs> and they're super happy. I'm not sure that's allowed, but, you know, these are all, like, they've all got their agents and everything breathing down your neck, so, yeah. I don't um, think I realised that. You do all the voices entirely before you do any of the animation. Yeah, I mean, the voices are generally done before animation, but... Um, for the entire season or episode well, at a time? Well, the teams are working episode by episode. So okay. th- there's usually like two two to four animation like teams of like four people. And they have, I think, four, I think it's something like four weeks to do each episode. And so it's kind of being fed through. You, ha- you haven't done like a block of all the, an- all the voice records before animations even started. It's sort of like this... You're just like a head, just about head of this like massive boulder coming behind you, you know, mm. trying to get everything done. Um, and are you all work, working with the same like storyboard and scripts? Yeah, yeah. So that'll be given to you and then you'll yeah. work with, so then create the illustration and then the voice. Right, yeah, yeah. It's a little bit like singing in rounds where you get yeah. oh, absolutely. the previous episode and you do your thing and you pass yeah, and it on you pass to the next it on. person, but someone's passing you something from the other yeah, side. Yeah, absolutely, yeah. It's just, it's quite a like intense thing because you you have like you know you have only this amount of time to do it and of course stuff goes wrong and you know suddenly there's an episode you have to pull back I mean when I was when I actually I think it was when I just started there was this whole thing where um someone had complained that their kid wouldn't wear a seatbelt because Peppa Pig didn't wear a seatbelt um and so we had to go back and reanimate two series like hundreds of episodes worth 
of of the show putting a seat and just put a seatbelt on, on. yeah and, and like recall all the old stuff no we didn't like recall it but we you know we had it so we we sort of from then on and then i think we would feed it through to the tv tv stations so that they would play the updated versions as as it went on but yeah it was pretty crazy and like bike helmets on the kids there's all kinds of stuff like that like um you have like if any because it's like really big in australia um, there's an episode where Pepper and her brother George make friends with a spider. You can't do that in Australia because you can't be telling kids to go like play with spiders when oh, the spiders are deadly. It's dangerous. Yeah. yeah, and like you always have to have the kids wearing sun hats because in Australia, like they need to be yeah. wearing sun hats when they're. And out you the sun. do a special version for the Australians, or the sun hat version? Goes I think out they just worldwide. I think we try like we would just try and from from the point that we kind of found out this is what we've got to do we just try and from then on always have them with sun hats on i don't think they had a specific version um although there were you know i remember doing i remember for ben and holly's little kingdom doing specific welsh versions of things which was quite fun mm, like that's cool welsh language um, yeah yeah because yeah, i think it's like ben amali or something like that in in like in wales i don't know and, and there were things like um I remember there being like a, you know, bless this house kind of prop um, thing on the background of one scene and we had to try and change it to Welsh for, you know, stuff like that. It was just a lot of work for one thing, but, you know, that's the kind of detail that we uh, <laughs> were known for. Um, yeah, so that's, that, was my, that was my Peppa Pig experience. So did you, did you meet, you must have met all of them, all of the cast. Okay. I once worked with uh, Richard Rydins, oh, who plays Daddy Pig. wonderful guy, yeah. And I, I was telling my nieces and nephews, yeah, thinking that they'd be, you know, impressed. Yeah. But they were more than impressed. Their mind was blown. <laughs> I was like, yeah, that's right. Uncle Gideon is cool. <laughs> Turns out they thought I was literally spending Actually. my time with a giant animated yeah. pig and they just couldn't understand how yeah. this crossover of worlds was possible yeah and where where is this taking place <laughs> it is really funny i think i got to a point where we where i would just say i didn't say like i worked on pepper pig i would say like i worked with pepper pig mm. like i i know pepper rather than i know the voice of pepper because they're just like what does that mean um but yeah, we I did we did get to meet all the the voice artists, including Brian Blessed, who did some voices. Did he really? He's terrifying. Oh, so oh you, gosh, you just try and like yeah. blend into the wallpaper when he was around. What character did he play? Um, oh god, I think he plays like Grampy Rabbit or something like that. Uh -huh. Just a really loud, banjo playing, shouting character, which oh, was yeah. fun. But um, yeah, yeah, no, it was good. It was I really enjoyed the voice records actually. It was really, it was really interesting process. Although it's like long, all day, exhausting, you know. Um, and I actually, you know, sometimes you'd get called in to do stuff last minute. So I was, I was mummy pony for an entire series, even though I only had like two lines, and I delivered them terribly. So I was never asked back. And I also <laughs> had to sing, head, shoulders, knees, and toes on the on like the radio. So because they were just like, oh God, we forgot to record this, and and I think this was a point where like. I was one of the few people left in the studio. Everyone else had kind of gone home, gone home, or gone gone off, and were like working on different productions. Right. So they just called me and they're like, "Can you come now? Can you sing?" And I was like, "Well, I'm Welsh, so you know." Yeah. <laughs> no, I was like, I, "Okay, cool, I can do that." So yeah, I, I that's that's my kind of claim to fame now. <laughs> you said earlier. I'm curious. You mentioned earlier around that you have to obviously follow the style 
Like right. you're, you're you're creating to an existing style. Yeah. Like how did you how did you find that process? And was that something that you were prepared for? Because I imagine mm. through college, you're, it's very much your courage to create your own style. Oh so what gosh. was that like going into that world and then yeah. and then perfecting that style for so many years? Yeah, I mean, it was. Yeah, that it was. It was interesting because you're right. Like the the main stock thing that every art teacher tells you is like you have to develop your own style and then you do and they're like no that's not your own style or you know in my experience generally it's like art teachers will say that kind of thing and really they just want you to draw in their style like mm. and then they'll be like oh it's so original <laughs> um i'm just gonna apologize right now to my mother who was an art teacher oh i'm sorry and, i'm sorry and don't turn off ma'am don't turn off we're gonna change Everyone the subject but now. you i promise <laughs> Um, no, uh, but yeah, going, going to Pepper, there's a very strict kind of style Bible. And generally when you were creating stuff, like if you're creating characters, there's sort of like a template that you go from. So you're not kind of doing everything from scratch. So it's not like you have to like freehand draw everything exactly the same. Um, but there were kind of like rules about like what kind of thickness outline and you know stuff like that and then everything that you did was then passed on to um somebody whose specific job was doing the color for everything so like the you you would design something and it would come back and it would be completely different colors because then that's you know there was a really strict color palette which is another thing i think which makes it successful because it's sort of like it's very cohesive someone's Mm. really kind of thought about that um so yeah it was it was kind of difficult sometimes it would be a bit frustrating but more just because you know you're pouring all this energy into and time into something and you don't have as much time to do your thing you know mm. so, so were you at the same time doing your own other other work on the side for either for you know other other work or just for creative pursuits just to exercise some of that yeah of personal creativity yeah I mean I've always been drawing in my spare time anyway whether I'm you know doing that for money or not and you know like the jobs I had in the freelance stuff I had in the UK it was like a joke really that I was like filing my like tax my freelance tax returns because I'd be like I have made 50 quid this year you know <laughs> but, but unfortunately um, I have made a loss yeah like, two thousand exactly. pounds because of all the pens and paper I bought <laughs> exactly and that laptop exactly <laughs> yeah you take your receipts and you just be like I'm gonna just like not not count these ones um yeah no I mean I was I've always been drawing I've always been making stuff um I come from a very sort of artistic family so it was sort of just natural to be doing that anyway what do your parents do um so my dad is an artist he's oh, a my okay. mom's a, my mom works in a hospital but my dad is um a like watercolor artist oh, that's oh. what he does that's his job um and my grandmother was an artist and my great-grandparents were artists and poets and writers and stuff so it's a it's sort of like it, it wasn't like we were expected to, you know, like they were going to be disappointed if we went out and became lawyers or something. But um, but it, I guess it did, you know, I was surrounded by that stuff from an early age. So it mm-hmm. didn't feel unnatural or weird or sort of frowned upon to be drawing and making stuff and being more kind of emotional and creative. Mm. Yeah. So you so you, and where were in the, Ab- near Aberystwyth? You yeah, said. yeah. Right. Monithbach. Right in the like Treventa is the is a town like like town village not even a village really just a scattering of houses on a mountain top, um, yeah it's about twelve miles outside of Aberystwyth, um, but Aber is town that's where you you know school and shops and everything is so. And was was art part of a big part of the school as well, or was it really just driven from your home life? I mean, into that? 
I guess so. I mean, having it's difficult having not kind of been to sc- like being, going to school in Wales. You, it's sort of hard to understand if you're if it's more creative than an English school or any other school or whether because I I do think in Wales there is a lot more emphasis on the arts and you know singing and music and stuff especially with like Eisteddfods and things every mm-hmm. year like you kind of had to and you know in my tiny little primary school that I went to it was like you were forced to get up and sing and draw and do all of those things so um but I don't know if in my school because it was such a small school I don't think I um they particularly kind of like put me on a path because they just didn't have the resources most of the mm. time you know I enjoyed my art classes but it wasn't like you know they were like there was some teacher who was like my mentor through you know you just sort of it was I think it's just a part of me I'm just a very kind of visual person that's how I think mm-hmm. and I'm not so good with numbers and things like that mm-hmm. so yeah. So, right, and then, and then so, you, so you studied illus- was it a, a degrees in illustration? It was illustration for animation was the actual. Okay. What made you choose that particular so, kind of path? Yeah, it's kind of funny. I I was going to do I wanted to do costume design like my whole life. That's what I wanted to do, and I think I just got like a bit freaked out just when it came to actually applying for stuff. And I, in my school, it didn't really have like a very good facilities for like textiles and stuff. And I remember someone saying, I was really into like comic books at the time and graphic novels. And I remember someone saying, oh, you're really good at that. Like you should do that. And I was like, oh, I should do this. So, um, so yeah, I applied, I, I applied for that. And uh, there was this specific course that was illustration for animation. So I was like, oh, cool. That kind of covers everything. And I thought it was going to be a lot more like hand-drawn animation and graphic novels and stuff, which it wasn't really. But then... I was in the first year to graduate on that particular course. So we were kind of the guinea pigs um, in in studying that. So, yeah, I mean, I don't know. It's difficult with like arts things because I don't really know if anyone in my career ever cared about where I studied or mm. what I got at university or, you know, any about of that. What you're doing now and what you can do. Yeah, and about whether you fit in with the team of people, really, I think. it's not It's not always like... Yeah, it's it's how kind of personable you are, whether you're going to kind of pull together in the team, um, how hungry you are for it, which is kind of sad because, you know, I obviously that's an important thing, but I think it's there's this emphasis on like, how much do you want it? Are you willing to work yourself to the bone? Are you willing to like do it for the exposure, do it for nothing? Which is kind of leads to this environment where people just aren't getting paid enough for right. the work they're doing, you know, because because you should you should like be grateful for it because it's exposure or whatever so yeah or well not for a long time i mm. hate all that i mean yeah it's frustrating i don't know how to change it yeah you know because there are always going to be people willing to do it yeah it's yeah exactly so, yeah. so how, how did you get the job um at peppa pig well i it, it was Run luck job, it so, was yeah. yeah it was pure luck really i um my older brother his he had a, a friend of a friend who worked um, for DreamWorks and they were making a film called Nomeo and Juliet and I went Nomeo and yeah, Juliet yeah this was years ago <laughs> now and um have you not seen Nomeo and Juliet no I haven't dare it's you <laughs> they've done spin-offs now I think they just I know one they've Sherlock done Holmes. <laughs> I'm pretty it's sure it's not like you and McGregor no not you and McGregor it's like um oh what's the other the other Scottish guy I don't know there's, there's only, only two. two of them yeah, yeah. <laughs> just you and McGregor and Sean Connery no it. the one who's um 
uh, in the X-Men, Professor X. What's his name? James McAvoy. James McAvoy, that's the one. The other Scottish guy. Yeah, there you go. I forgot there was three. <laughs> um, yeah, anyway, I, I, I had an interview. Well, no, I heard from my, my brother's friend's friend that, that they were looking for a production assistant for the storyboard department, which was the job that I was like wildly unqualified for. Um, and I was already like a day late for the applying for that, you know, the interview. Um, but because it was a friend of a friend, they're like, cool, just come in, which is not so easy when you live in the, in mid Wales. And they're like, can you be here by like eight o'clock tomorrow morning? And you're like, yeah. oh my God, what's the train, the next train, you know? Um, so I, I went to this interview and of course didn't get it because I, there was no way in hell I was ever going to get it. But the, the late, one of the ladies who, who interviewed me was this lovely woman called Fleur and her husband, her husband, um, was the uh, head of animation on Pepper and Peppa Pig and they wanted a, a runner so I was on the train on the way back and I got a call saying can you come in for this another interview so I kind of did like a day turnaround and went straight back again to to London and had this job interview and yeah so it was just luck really right. yeah. you had some experience you're saying before we chatted you'd had some work experience in yeah yeah so I'd I'd had this amazing two weeks working on Doctor Who um which again was just luck I think I which well, those people don't know was filmed in yeah, Cardiff. Yeah, in, in just outside Cardiff. Outside yeah, and it's like a big industrial estate outside Cardiff. Um, and I, yeah, it was just, it was one of those things where like, you don't get it if you don't ask for it, you know? Like I just wrote to them and were like, was like, hey, I really like what you do and I would love to come and watch and help and or just stand in the corner and stay out of the way, like whatever you need. Not expecting anything in return, but got this email and that I thought was a prank from my friends at first and then just yeah went down to meet them and they said well come in for some work experience and it was amazing it was just it was really eye-opening because it made me realize all the different jobs you could get on an art department like that you you applied or you wrote specifically to the art department yeah I just wrote to like the the production designer at you know the BBC (laughs) Cardiff you know I think I might must have looked up a more of a specific address than that but <laughs> but um yeah and just wrote a letter and said you know this is this is who I am this is what I'm doing I'm a really big fan and I love your work and I'd love to come and see what you're doing and I and my dad drove me down and I was so nervous and I got really car sick on the way there because I was so nervous um and he sat outside uh in the in the like car park while they like showed me around the TARDIS this was the David Tennant like days uh, yeah um, so I got to like, you know, play with all the sliders and knobs and weird stuff on the, in the TARDIS, which was amazing. And they were like, oh, how did you get here? And I was like, my dad drove me down. He's waiting outside. They're like, oh, get him in. Come on. So like, <laughs> so then he got a tour around the TARDIS. Um, yeah. And they're like, cool. Can you come back for some work experience? And it was really great. And I, and I, again, I like, I just worked really hard and I asked lots of questions and I said, can I come and do this and come and do that? And, you know, came in on the weekend to work and did set dressing and you know really tried to make myself kind of invaluable and they were like great we're going to give you some work you know stay in touch and then this was just at the point where like Russell T Davis left and they got like a whole new crew in so Uh, all my contacts kind of went (laughs) overnight so I never did go back and work for them but But did you keep in contact with any of those some of them yeah, yeah some of them and actually weirdly enough um Harley, the girl who plays Pepper, was in a, in a Doctor Who episode a couple of series ago and asked me to come down for like they were having a screening or something. 
so I actually kind of bumped into some of them again in like a weirdly random context that I was just sort of plus one of the one of the uh, one of the actors so yeah, it was kind of cool um, so then you left all that behind I know you traveled yeah America, well, mostly in Milwaukee by the sounds of it. <laughs> and then and now you're in New York. Yes. How have you been filling your time? Um, so I have been, um, I've been doing some freelance illustration, mainly um, a book that I've been working on. I'm actually about to start on the second one now. The first one is going to be out in uh, February of next year. It's called Hibernate With Me. And it's published by Simon & Schuster Kids. And it looks like it's going to be coming out about two weeks after I have a baby so that's going to be really crazy and interesting um and yeah it's a it's a book that I um that my husband Benjamin Shoya has written the words to it's a song that he wrote for me when we were in Milwaukee and things were pretty dark just coming back <laughs> to Milwaukee, Milwaukee. I think it's just like a theme in our a year and a half in Milwaukee <laughs> I felt like it was a year and a half <laughs> um uh, yeah, it's a, I mean, so it's a children's picture book and it's about bears um, hibernating, but really it's about, it, it's not like a kind of, um, you know, A to B narrative. It's not like one day this bear woke up and did this. It's it's basically this really beautiful song about how um, everybody feels sad sometimes, everybody feels anxious or shy, and sometimes they're not even sure why they feel this way. And it's okay. Um, and that you're still worthy of love and you're still, yeah, you're, you're okay even if you feel sad sometimes. Um, which we um, we think is a really important message, especially for little boys because I feel like we don't tell little boys that they can feel sad. They're, they ha- like, you know, you if you're, you cry like a girl or whatever, people say all these, you know, be a man, you know. Mm. It's, not, it's not allowing boys to be emotional. Um, and it sounds like a, you know, it sounds like a kind of hyperbolic thing to say it, but, you know, there is a problem. I know certainly in the UK, there's like a huge problem with middle-aged men committing suicide. They're like the the highest number, highest demographic. Um, and yeah, yeah. in, In that regard, I mean, I think writing children books, it's a, it's a, um, it's a really important role. I mean, any mm. anything where you're, I think, I mean, coming out to Peppa Pig, right? But anything where you're creating content for children that they're going to be consuming at that age. It's, it's a, we talk about the food that can, children's consuming, yeah. and how much focus has been on that. Um, it's the same with content. Um, mm. Yeah, it's so important. I I also kind of had a bit of insight to it um, last year. Not last year. This most of this year. And a little bit of last year, I was um, volunteering for this really great program that I would encourage anybody who has some spare time to look up called Reading Partners. And it's great for freelancers if you just want to get out every now and then. Um, and they they have they work within schools all over the country, but there's a couple, there's some in Brooklyn, there's some in Manhattan. And they go to schools where there are kids who are kind of falling below the, their grade, their reading grade, who just need like a little bit more help. And you get volunteers who come in once a week for an hour. You sit with the same kid. They read to you. You read to them. You do like a little lesson with them. And it's just this like one-on-one reading with them. Mm. Um, and it's so, so good. But you get to, you know, there's like a little library there that you can choose the books. And you can see what the kids, what kind of engages the kids and what doesn't. 
Um, and there are a lot of really good books nowadays, kids' books, about like political issues. You know, there's one I think called like Gracie for President or something about a little girl dreaming mm-hmm. that she's going to grow up and be the president. There's, of course, all the books that um, I think Hillary Clinton brought out that it takes a village. There's a lot of kind of political ones. There's lots of ones about like little boys who want to wear dresses, things like that. You know, there are there are some that are more obvious. Yeah. And our book isn't that. Our book is a sort of gentle one. Um, not to say that, you know, the obvious ones aren't great as well. But yeah, I think there's a lot, it's, it's important for kids to read this kind of stuff from a young age. And, you know, if they're, if they're reading something that they find engaging, then they're going to enjoy reading as well. So that's the other, other side of it is that they're actually going to learn to read or enjoy reading or have that as a sort of escapism for them. Because some of the kids that we were, you know, I was reading with, some of them are not, you know, they don't come from a completely settled home background, you know, they're not they're not kids from middle-class families where they've got both parents there, you know. Some of the kids in these schools, you know, they live in shelters. Some of them don't have an ideal home environment. So just having someone, like, sit with them and and be there consistently and and not be a teacher as well. Be, like, you know, this sort of weird in-between where you're not, like, you're not a teacher. You're not going to scold them for stuff. You're just... But you show up every week, you know. Um... And you just you just signed up for that online. That's how you got into. Yeah, it. yeah. Because I, you know, I I came here and I, you know, I've enjoyed being here in New York, but I did find it. I have found it difficult moving here, um, not knowing people. You know, um, especially not not coming here to like work in a in a company with where you have like a ready made set of friends. You know, um, yeah, I found it. I wanted to meet people. I wanted to do something with my time. And I had this spare time because I wasn't working like a ton at the time. So, yeah, I, I just, I think I saw it on Twitter or something and signed up. And it's really great. That's so. cool. Well, we'll definitely, we'll include the, include the link in oh, our, cool. uh, on awesome. our website for sure. Great. So you're not, obviously, you're not yet a mother. No. Um, but clearly you've worked a lot with children. At what, I guess at what point did you think you wanted to create this book and how much of, I guess the work you've been doing on Pepper Book has helped, I guess, shape that. Yeah, that's interesting. I, I've i always loved kids and working with kids. And um, my younger brother is 10 years younger than me. And so I was kind of there a lot when he was growing up and entertained him a lot, you know, in some holidays and stuff. So I've kind of always like known how to be around kids. Um, and my husband, you know, he used to go to, when we were on tour, he would go to um, like the the because because he's had cancer previously and is now thank god or or clear um he would go to the children's cancer wards and play guitar play music to the kids there so he's always kind of been like working with kids or on in a kind of informal way and um and this song so what happened was um uh my husband's agent they had like a his agency have a sort of literary department and they were like do you want to make a book and you know maybe we could do like a lyric book of one of your songs and he at one of the suggestions was this song hibernate with me um and they said oh do you know any good illustrators before we start looking and, and he was like actually my wife is an illustrator and I think they were like uh, okay sure let's let's give yeah, she really cool. yeah um but I kind of put together this sort of pitch and and I just thought it felt much more like a children's book to me than a just pure lyric book and I wanted to have a go this was like my 
chance to so was it your idea to make it a children's book i think so kind of yeah i mean it was a sort of very organic thing but um the the initial thought was to do a lyric book yeah i think so yeah but it's a very i mean it's it's a very sweet song it's a very kind of simple um you know not child i I wouldn't say it's childlike but it does it's it's kind of understandable for children it's Mm. it's very simple so um so yeah i put together this pitch and and they liked it and we took it to a ton of um, publishers and loads of people wanted it and we got to choose the team that we really liked and um, but I think yeah working on Pepper I think has has probably informed that um, I think a lot of things inf- informed it I was thinking about this earlier today about how my background has informed it you know I grew up in an incredibly rural setting on a family farm that my dad grew up on and my grandfather grew up on and you know my ancestors go back generations on this one mountain and it's very isolated and so sometimes you know I it wasn't like I even thought I didn't even think of myself as Welsh as a kid I just thought of myself as like Williams we were just this like clan in our own little kind of country on this hilltop Mm -hmm. um because I you know I grew up next door to my grandparents across the field from my cousins and my aunt and uncle so it was this little kind of commune kind of thing um so and and it felt very I remember when it you know when it snowed we would get completely cut off because we were about a thousand foot above above sea level um but sometimes it would just be our kind of mountain that was that was snowed in like a mile away there was no snow so it would feel like we were very kind of cut off and it was so exciting when it when we got snowed in it was so cozy and so making this book I really wanted it to be this really cozy safe you know there's only these two characters there's big bear and small bear that's it um and it's it's very kind of it's very rural it's very like they're in the forest and it's yeah it's just this kind of cozy isolation that i think i certainly felt in my childhood in wales that that i miss now of course Mm. because being in manhattan where it's just loud all the time and there's people shouting and horns blaring like all the time and you just miss that quiet and you know <laughs> it's great that a book can often provide that ultimate escape yeah um, yeah yeah i wanted to make it like cozy and mm. sort of safe you know especially when you're talking about you know when you're talking about emotions difficult emotions and people who feel shy or feel that they're more like introverted that they want to stay in and they want to hide sometimes you know you want it to feel like this safe place where they can do that so if people want to learn more about the book or I don't know if you can pre-order the book or anything like yeah. that, but if they want to find out, how could they do that? Um, so there's some information on my website, JemimaWilliams.com. Um, I think on my husband's website as well, which I think is BenjaminShoyer.com, which is S-C-H-E-U-E-R, very difficult. Um, also, if you just if you just search Hibernate with me, um, it should come up. It's available to pre-order on Amazon. Um yeah, and it should be out in February, I think. Yeah. yeah. I'm looking forward to seeing it. Oh, thank you. Yeah, I have a niece and nephew who I'll definitely be uh, ordering it. Oh, lovely. So well, I'm not making promises. <laughs> I've got 16 for... nieces and nephews, oh so I'll just, yeah. maybe wow. I'll get one for them all to share. Yeah, yeah, yeah they can take it in take turns. Take it in turns, yeah. <laughs> we used to do that. We had, like, the family computer that went around, like, spent, like, a month with my cousins and my aunt and uncle and then would come by car over the road to, like, <laughs> spend a month with us. That was funny. <laughs> you can have your own have your own library service with them. Oh yeah, that's good. With your own little mobile library. Mobile library. And that was a thing. 
Yeah, we definitely had. Did you have that growing my, up? My not growing up for me, but my grandfather used to drive <laughs> the uh, mobile library van round. Uh, yeah, the Swansea Valleys. Yeah, up, I used to love the mobile library. Yeah. It was great. We used to have a proper library. Oh, you were like big city, big city yeah. kid. <laughs> we just had this, this van with like a pipe smoking, all the books smell of like really strong Careful, tobacco. Careful, that's, that's Richard's granddad you're talking about. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, maybe, I don't know if they got so far as Aberystwyth and Trevento. With yeah, <laughs> pro- probably not. Yeah. Um, yeah, well, thank you for coming on. Oh, no, thank you so much for having me. <laughs> yeah, it's been great and um, yeah, I wish you all the best. Thanks for coming on and uh, yeah, can't wait to read the book. Cool. Well, we hope you enjoyed listening. And if you did, then please subscribe and leave us a review, as long as it's positive. The more people review the show, the more people will get to hear the show. Yeah, and if you'd like to get in touch with us, then please do. The email is podcast at newyorkwelsh.com or you can contact us through any of the socials. Both our Instagram and Twitter are at newyorkwelsh. And if you'd like to stay up to date with the latest goings-on, you can do so by subscribing to the monthly newsletter on our website. newyorkwelsh.com.